0: welcome to the grind It podcast you know life can be such a grind at times and so we're here sharing god's word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up it's time to grind so here's the host of the grinded podcast the old school skateboarder himself randall tucker welcome to the Grinded podcast today we're going to start breaking down luke chapter 23 and if you remember if you've listened to luke 22 Luke 22 was the turning point for Jesus and his disciples. You know, everything's been hunky dory up until Luke 22. Jesus has been going from village to village, from city to city, from place to place, healing people, casting out demons, just showing love and compassion and, and just giving so much hope to people. And, and everything is going great. Uh, the, the disciples are on cloud nine, man. What could go wrong? But it, it all starts going downhill in Luke 22. And Jesus has been warning his disciples that this time is coming. But they, they didn't understand, despite having Old Testament scriptures, despite having the Psalms, despite having over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. Uh, they just did not really comprehend what God's will was they they were thinking hey you're going to deliver us from the roman oppression just like everybody else was but that's not what jesus came to do he came to de- deliver them and us from our sin to to be uh the passover lamb which was about to take place and in in luke 22 uh we we find jesus having the last passover meal with his disciples and he talks about how uh, that bread represents his body that's going to be broken, and how that 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 fruit of the vine, that wine, uh, became uh, his represents his blood that would be shed on the cross, and and he told his disciples to do this in remembrance of his death, and and even though they didn't understand it, they would eventually when the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter two, everything became crystal clear, uh, but after they uh after they had their meal judas uh dips uh the bread in the bowl with jesus jesus tells him to go and do what he has to do so judas goes out to betray jesus and just to show you that the disciples really didn't understand what was going on they're they're, they're wondering is, is he going out to buy the stuff for some more of the i mean is he going to buy dessert i mean what what what's going on here but what they didn't know was that judas was going to the religious leaders to get to collect his uh 33 pieces of silver and to bring them to where jesus would be because he knew that jesus liked to hang out in the garden of gethsemane uh, uh at the mount of olives while he was there in jerusalem and so uh judas goes and gets the, his little militia jesus and his 11 disciples that are left goes to the garden of gethsemane jesus is praying on three different occasions that that God would deliver him, that there would be some other way, and and God was silent. Jesus knew that that cross and this hor- horrific death that he's about to face was the only way that our sins could be forgiven and that man could be redeemed or man could be reconciled or be made friends again with God, and and, and so he says, nevertheless, your will be done and not my will, and and that's when judas shows up with his militia jesus is arrested peter tries to defend jesus and he he's probably swung his sword for malchus's head malchus probably ducked and it caught his ear and it cut his ear off and jesus even in the the moment he takes the ear and places it back on malchus's head instantly heals malchus and it, it, it i mean I don't understand how that could not even have an impact on those priests and those religious leaders because they hadn't seen what had happened and they hadn't have known what happened with Jesus and Malchus and Peter. But yet they still go through with their plans to crucify Jesus. And so Jesus is arrested and, and we find in Luke 23, uh, Jesus standing before Pilate, who is the Roman governor, and verses one through twenty five says this, and we'll talk about it. we'll break this down because there's one main focal point in this uh in this first twenty five verses. But listen to this. Luke writes Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor, and they began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. And so Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, You have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. And then they became insistent, But he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea and from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, he's a Galilean," Pilate asked. When they said that he was, uh, when they said that he was, <clears throat> Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction, and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. So Pilate was trying to get out from underneath it. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. And he asked Jesus, he asked Jesus a question. Uh, he asked Jesus question after question. But Jesus refused to answer, and meanwhile the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law stood there shouting their accusations. And then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus, and finally they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and the other religious leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me accusing him of leading a revolt. I have exam- examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. So there's your verdict. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. So that's two people that 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 had the authority to set Jesus free and and they both said there's nothing this man has done nothing wrong. He is innocent. Pilate found him innocent, Herod found him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. Well, he hadn't even done anything to deserve a flogging. But listen to this. Verse 18. A mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice, I mean, in in unison, they shouted, Kill him, and release Barabbas to us. Now listen listen to Barabbas. Or about Barabbas. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government government and for murder. So Barabbas was a bona fide murderer. He had revolted against the Roman government and he had killed probably some Roman soldiers. And, and, and so he, that's why he's in prison and was going to face the death penalty. But the people, the crowd is yelling for Barabbas to be released and for jesus god in the flesh the the innocent one who has never done anything wrong to be crucified it's amazing verse 20 pilate argued with them because he wanted to release jesus but they kept shouting crucify him crucify him for the third time he demanded why three times why what crime has he committed i have found no reason to sentence him to death so i will have him flogged and then i will release him But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. One of the first things I want to discuss in today's podcast is this the false accusation of the religious leaders to Pilate the when, when they brought Jesus before Pilate after they arrested him here's what they say this man, talking about Jesus, this man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming He is the Messiah, a king. So in other words, he's going against Caesar. He's going against your Roman authorities, the highest authority, Caesar, because he's claiming to be a king. And by the way, he is going around telling people not to pay their taxes. If you want to hit somebody hard, you hit them in the wallet. You you, you hit them where it hurts, and that's their bank account. And, and that's why you see, uh, um, um, athletes all the time. Yes, they have big bank accounts, but you see them, uh, when, when they get in trouble by the league, uh, they, they, they get fined a hefty fine. That's why we get tickets when we, when we're speeding, we have to go pay a ticket to the county or to the state it hurts our wallet because the state is saying hey you broke a law don't break the law or there's going to be a penalty well here's the religious leaders lying straight out lying to Pilate. their accusation is this man is claiming to be a king he's claiming to be the messiah which the romans don't care anything about him claiming that he's the messiah that would be the jews but but to hit Pilate hard with an accusation is is That this man is leading people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes. And so I, I want to talk about that just for a second. Did Jesus ever, one time, tell people not to pay their taxes? And the answer is no. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He always told people to pay their taxes. I'll give you two examples. In Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, Mark writes this. Later, the leader sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Je- that's Herod Antipas, a different Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. See, there, there's their goal. They want to arrest Jesus. Teacher, they say, "We know how honest you are." So right, right off the bat, they're, they're complimenting Jesus on his honesty, so why would he tell people not to pay their taxes? We know how honest you are. You're truthful. We we know you're there's, they're self-admitting here that Jesus does the right thing because he is an honest person. We know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So he they build Jesus up talking about how honest he is and how he's... He he's he's uh he doesn't play favorites with anybody in, in, in how he teaches the way of God truthfully, right? And so they're going to back him, try to back him into a corner by talking about Caesar and paying taxes to the Roman government. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Okay, well here's a perfectly good opportunity for Jesus to say, you don't have to pay your taxes. But that's not what he says. They say, should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you the answer. And when they handed it to him, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on this coin? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Now now listen to this statement that Mark makes. His reply completely amazed them. They were there to set a trap and, and, and Jesus saw through the trap and he asked them the questions and let them come up with the answers. Whose coin is that? Whose picture is that on that coin? Caesar's. Okay, well then you pay what's due to Caesar. You pay Caesar and you give to God What belongs to God. And their mouths just dropped to the floor. They literally could not say another word because they were amazed at how well he answered the question. And the answer was, Jesus is saying, you pay your taxes. Well, they also had a thing in Jerusalem in the temple called a temple tax. And we have an example of Jesus paying the temple tax, which is another opportunity to say you don't have to pay your taxes but jesus says hey go pay the taxes for you and for me matthew chapter 17 verses 24 through 26 on their arrival in capernaum the collectors of the temple tax came to peter and asked him doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax yes he does peter replied and then he went into the house but before he had a chance to speak jesus asked him what do you think peter the kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered. They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, The citizens are free. Well there's a perfect opportunity for Jesus to say, you don't have to pay your taxes because you're free. You're a citizen. Uh, you you're, you're not you've not been conquered. You, you're free, you are a free citizen. But listen to what Jesus says. However, we don't want to offend them. So, go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. So, not only is, you know, not only is he covering one person's tax, he's covering two people's tax with one coin that miracu- miraculously was inside the fish's mouth, and it happened to be the fish that Peter catches. And Peter opens up the mouth, takes out the large coin, and takes it and pays the temple tax. There's two opportunities for Jesus to say, you don't have to pay taxes, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, give unto Caesar what's due to Caesar, so pay your taxes, and give to God what belongs to God. And then he says, uh, when when they're asked about paying the temple tax, Jesus tells Peter to go out catch the fish, grab the coin, and go pay the temple tax for the two of them. So this accusation against Jesus by the religious leaders to Pilate is a flat-out lie, and is designed to make Pilate think that Jesus is some kind of rebel, and that he should be killed. But Pilate could see right through it. Pilate has examined Jesus, and he knows Jesus is innocent. Three different times, Pilate is going to ask them, Why? Why do you want this man dead? He's done nothing wrong. He, has, he hasn't done anything to deserve what he's about to get. Death. And a horrific death at that. The second thing I want to talk about is, is a second false accusation from the religious leaders to Pilate. So you see a theme going on here. The second false accusation is this. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you've said it. Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. And here it is, verse 5. Then, then they became insistent. But he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. So, okay. We're, we're, we're trying to convince you that he's, he, he's got this band of people and he's going around telling people that they don't have to pay their taxes to Caesar. So he's defying the Roman government. And, and we're also trying to persuade you, Pilate, that this man is going around and he's leading riots everywhere. Uh, all over Judea, all over Galilee, and all over Jerusalem. He's, this man is leading riots. He's just causing such a ruckus. And so let's break this down for just a second. Did Jesus have crowds that gathered around him everywhere that he went? You better believe it. And I mean big crowds. They would number in the thousands. They would literally follow him from town to town, from place to place, from village to village, from house to house, just to see the show, to see the miracles, to hear his teachings. They went everywhere that he went. But was there ever a riot? and did Jesus ever start a riot? The answer is absolutely not. People were given hope, they were given joy, they were given compassion, they were given mercy, they're healed of their diseases, demons were cast out, but there was Jesus never incited a riot whatsoever. And and so when when they saw that they could not persuade Pilate, by their lies and their false accusations, the New Living Translation says they became as insistent. That word in the Greek means to exert. It means to wield power or to have strength to overcome. And so in other words, when Pilate was not giving in to to their will and their way, they became angry and, 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 and they started to exert their power and they would raise their voices and they were yelling at Pilate. Because that's what people do when people lose control of a situation. We think that the louder we get, the more power, powerful and forceful we are and, and we can make you do what we want you to do just by raising our voice and how we project it and what we're saying. It's an intimidation tactic. And it, it, it's not gonna work at this moment. Pilot, finds out that Jesus is from Galilee, and so he he's going to send Jesus over to Herod uh, because Herod is over uh, the territory of Galilee. And I'm sure Pilate is hoping that Herod's going to take care of this situation so that he won't have to deal with it anymore. He didn't want to see Jesus again. He didn't want to have to deal with these religious leaders again and their false accusations. He knows they're lying. He knows they're lying. And that's why he's trying to get uh, Jesus uh, out of it and, and to release Jesus. And saying that he's just going to flog him and let him go. But they're not going to hear it. And so he sends him over to uh, Herod. And Jesus, uh, Jesus goes before Herod. Herod's all excited because he's heard about Jesus and the miracles that he's been performing. I'm sure he's heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And so he's hoping to see a miracle. And so he starts asking Jesus question. Question after question after question after question. And Jesus never utters a word. He he does not answer any of his questions. And so Herod, being in a place of authority, in a place of power, is probably a little upset with Jesus at this point because Jesus refuses to answer any of his questions. And he realizes, if he's not going to answer my questions, he sure isn't going to show or work a miracle for me. And and so he begins to mock Jesus and and then the soldiers begin to mock Jesus and they put a robe on him uh because uh they you know they're making uh, a mockery of, of what the the people are saying that he claims to be a king. And so uh Herod after mocking Jesus and he sends him back to Pilate and Pilate gathers all the the leading priests and the religious leaders together again, and he tells them for a third time, he says, I cannot find any truth to your accusations. And I'm going to have Jesus flogged, and I'm going to release him. But then there's a third character that enters uh, the story here, and that would be the crowd. After hearing Pilate's decision this crowd just starts yelling, and Luke says an uproar came out of nowhere and in unison, "Kill him and release Barabbas to us." And he talks about Barabbas and how Barabbas was a murderer because he was in prison for an insurrection against the Roman government. And Pilate agreed with uh, Pilate argued with them. Because he wanted to release Jesus, and but they kept shouting. And so they're overpowering Pilate. Pilate's saying, I'm going to release Jesus. He's not done anything wrong. So they get louder and they get louder and they get louder and they yell, uh, crucify him, crucify him. And for the third time, he demands why. What crime has he committed? I find no reason to sentence him to death. I'm going to flog him. I'm going to release him. But again, the mob shouted even louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. Now, why would a crowd get involved in this whole situation, in this pathetic mockery of a trial? what, What does this crowd have anything to do with it? Why would they shout? crucify him, kill him, give us Barabbas, and crucify Jesus. Well, we find the answer in Matthew 27, 20. Well, Matthew writes this, Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. The very people who have arrested Jesus who have tried to kill him over the past three years in his public ministry these people are getting their way and they're not going to stop it no they're not going to give up that easy they've got Jesus before Pilate and they have an opportunity to get what they want and and they know that Pilate is is not uh, giving in to their false accusations they're not able to persuade him they can't persuade Herod and so what do they do they they get a mob together and now this mob has come in unison, and so now they they're shouting, and, and and how what better way than to get your way is to have a crowd, and and, and we see it all the time in our world today. I mean, one or two percent of the people who yell the loudest are getting their way, and, and, and the the media takes it and makes you think that it's you know just a worldwide. Uh, problem, and 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 that it's just the most horrible thing that's ever been on the face of the earth, because uh, uh, they blow it way out of proportion uh, to persuade you, and, and 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 that's what's happened. The cr- a small crowd who has become really loud is getting their way, and that's exactly what is going on here in this situation with Jesus. Th- these religious leaders and the and the priests have persuaded a crowd to join in and 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 these people may not ever even heard of Jesus. They may not even know Jesus. They probably have never seen Jesus before. What I'm concerned with was how many was in that crowd that do know Jesus, who have heard about the miracles that Jesus has done, who has maybe healed one of their family members, maybe even healed one of them. Because what, the truth of the matter is, we can be easily persuaded by the crowd we do things that we would normally never do when there's a crowd involved and the crowd is saying hey come on come on man just do it just do it and 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 so the mob gathers together and they're in unison and they're crying out crucifying crucifying well you're talking to a politician who wants to be uh voted back in power again when the the next election comes around. So what's he going to do? He needs your vote. So he's going to give in. And so the power of persuasion wins with the crowd. Because Pilate needs their votes. He wants to stay in power. He loves his power. He loves money. And he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't care about Jesus. And so he does care about votes. And he does care about these people uh, supporting him. And so, hey, you can have Jesus. You can go do... Whatever you want to do with him. And that's what the fifth thing that I want to talk about is. It says, so Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded, as they had requested. He released Barabbas, the man in prison, for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to, to them to do as they wished. Pilate gives in to the demands of the religious leaders because of the crowd. He gave in to the pressure Just like a true politician does today. And because he did, Jesus would be crucified on a cross. One of the worst, most horrific deaths a person could go through. Nothing but torture. And we're going to discuss that in the next podcast as we finish up Luke 23 in the next podcast. That's why Jesus was asking the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane if there was another way to get this thing done. He knew what he was about to face, and it was going to be very, very painful, horrific, horrendous, very difficult. I mean, most people died from the beating that they took before they ever got nailed to the cross. And I'm sure the beating that Jesus took had an extra little oomph in it because those soldiers wanted to show him who has the power and the authority. And here's the thing. The Gospels tell us that Jesus could have said no. He could have said this is far too much. I mean, the dude is sweating drops of blood. He's in such agony over the pain he's about to face. And he could have called a legion of angels to rescue him. He didn't need Peter and his sword. Those, matter of fact, those those guys have deserted him. Peter's denying him three times that he even knows Jesus. Those guys have are, are de- deserted him when he's on the cross. He's by himself going through this whole thing. Father's having to turn his face away because Jesus becomes sin when he's hung on the cross. Because the Bible says, Cursed is a man who hangs on the tree. And so the father can't look upon sin, so for a brief moment in time, the father turns his face away. Jesus is all alone and he knows what it's like to be separated from the father for the first time ever. That was worse than any pain that the cross could ever cause him. And he could have said, "No, nope, I'm not doing this. Come get me." And those angels would have came in a blink of an eye, in a split moment, and rescued Jesus. But love nailed him to the cross. Love kept him going for you and for me. What greater love than what great, greater love than, has than this than a man laid down his life for his friends? <coughs> Jesus laid his life down for you and for me. They didn't kill him. He laid his life down. He voluntarily gave himself over to them to be crucified for my sin and for your sin so that our sin could be washed in his blood and we could be made white as snow and then we could stand in the very presence of god because of the blood of jesus christ and what he done on the on calvary's cross and coming out of that tomb victorious three days later our sins can be forgiven and we can have a home with god for eternity Why would anybody choose to reject the love that Jesus has for them? I'll never understand it. I hope today that you don't reject Jesus, that you give your life to Jesus Christ, that you make Him your Lord and Savior, to be washed in His blood, to be baptized for the remission of your sins. You come up out of that water filled with the Holy Spirit, a new creation in Christ. And that you start your walk with Christ. And if you are walking with Christ, God bless you. And I pray that you keep walking. And that you keep grinding. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song Abba as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.